Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, is the the pod for, you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Do the Knicks have five on it? We will see Monday evening. This is Orange and Blue Bloods. EJ Stewart here, joined by my co-host Tommy Beer. A new week, new Knicks chatter. A lot to talk about. We got the Knicks and the Bucks Monday night. Big game. Knicks looking to extend their winning streak to, that's right, five games. The Knicks have been streaking ever since we started this podcast. So, Let's hope for a win, because if they lose, that means another losing streak could be coming down the pipe with the way things have gone. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about this bus game, I'll preview that. Could be some uh, big returns in this game for the Knicks, so we'll discuss that certainly. And we're at the midway point of the season this week. Uh, after the Knicks play against the Wizards later this week, they will officially hit the midway point. So we're going to kind of do a couple of midseason um, kind of progress reports and kind of an outlook at the season so far throughout this week. So uh, we're going to have our midseason report card. Uh, this episode will focus on the front office and the job that they have done so far. Later in the week, we'll talk about the coach. Later in the week, we'll talk about the players. Uh, and then um, we'll also have a breakdown of where the Knicks are in the standings and what that would mean in the postseason. So we're going to take it today from the perspective of being in a play-in, because right now the Knicks are in a play-in situation. They're the number seven seed. So what would that mean for a play-in matchup with the teams that are currently in this position? I think there are interesting teams in there, so I think it will be a fun uh, discussion. Again, my guy Tommy Beer uh, is back with us. Tommy, what's up, dude? Uh, happy Monday. Happy Monday. I was not expecting a loonies. I got five on it reference on, on a Monday morning. <laughs> but here we are. Um, EJ always kills the intros. And, yes, uh, Welcome to a Monday morning. Got a angry Milwaukee team on deck. How you doing, my friend? Hey, I, I can't complain. Can't complain. Knicks are, are winning the schedule. I saw ESPN saying the Knicks are favored to win in like the next seven games. So we talked a lot about how the schedule shakes out. Um, this one Monday night is a big one. And, and if they can get this one, we'll see if they can get the ball rolling because the schedule does get tougher as uh, as the month rolls on. So let, let's discuss this. So let's start with this Monday night game. The Knicks and Bucks are in action with New York riding a four-game win streak into this affair. The Knicks travel to Toronto Friday, beat the Raptors. Um, very interesting game. Knicks dominated for most of the game, still had problems closing. Jalen Brunson, clutch bucket, was able to kind of get them ahead and keep them ahead in that one. Um, the Bucks also haven't played uh, this weekend. They played Friday night, and they just got demolished by the Charlotte Hornets. They gave up 51 points in that first uh, quarter of that game, which was like a record. They uh, also gave up 138 points for the game. So ugly, ugly game the Bucs are coming from. Giannis uh, held the single digits in that game. So you know the Bucs will be ready to go in this one. Uh, on the injury front, I mentioned returns. Obi Toppin uh, participated fully in practice over the weekend, and 
the word and the momentum is that he is trending towards making a return to action and to the rotation in this game. Now, he has been active in these games recently, but uh, as Tom Thibodeau has uh, referenced, he's been, quote unquote, situational, which essentially means you ain't getting on the court. So he's not been a guy who, who he's looked at to come off the bench, but that could change given Obi participate fully in practice. RJ Barrett uh, participated partially in practice, which is a good sign. Um, he is still listed though as doubtful uh, because of a finger laceration that we now have learned was also a dislocation. So RJ Barrett unlikely, but trending in the right direction. Obi very well could see action Monday night for the Bucks. Important, important injury here. Chris Middleton, Still has a sore knee. He will not play in this one. Serge Ibaka has kind of been out of the rotation, but he also won't be available for uh, for personal reasons. So um, very interesting kind of dynamics with the injury front for this one. Uh, Tommy, keys to Nick's victory to get this to five wins in a row. Yeah, so let's start with Milwaukee. Um, uh, we'll talk about the Knicks. Another impressive win Friday night, and just you know, again, we'll talk yeah. about their just kind of big picture. You know, they're 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 trending in the right direction. But um, I got to admit, I got a bad feeling about tonight's game. Um, you know, we talked at other points in the season against the desperate Raptors team back in late December, and you know, a lot of the schedules about you catch a team on the second night of a back to back or the last game of a road trip, and you know, where they're missing a good player. Um, you know, you can benefit from that type of stuff. Those, those kind of interest, it, it, it was just weird things. Those, those, uh, that, that pop up in the schedule from time to time, but you're taking on a Bucks team. They've lost six and nine. Um, EJ mentioned that they were just absolutely embarrassed by the Hornets at home. Um, you know, just again, 51 points, the most ever given up in a first quarter, uh, tied the, I should say, tied the record for most points allowed in the first quarter. Uh, the only other team to put up 51 points in the first quarter was the Kevin Durant uh, and Steph Curry Warriors teams. Um, so yeah, and and again, uh, it wasn't like they, you know, they okay, we gave, we had a bad first quarter. Let's lock in here. They gave up 138 points to a terrible Hornets team. Um, yeah, earlier on on New Year's Day, they gave up 118 points in a blowout loss to the Wizards. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, a lot of their other losses, the, the other six, the nine recent losses are, are respectable. The Nets and the Celtics in there, um, loss to the Bulls. Um, but but even their win, they beat the Raptors in overtime. They almost, uh, uh, you know, let that game slip away. So um, after Friday's game, uh, Coach Mike uh, Budenholzer said, we haven't matched what it takes to be competitive in an NBA game on multiple occasions now, and it's concerning. Um, you mentioned Giannis Antetokounmpo, nine points. Um, that's just not the type of production, obviously, expect to see from him. I expect the Bucks to come out and really, you know, make – I don't want to say playoff intensity or treat it as a must-win game because they're a championship contender. It's the middle of January. Nobody's going to get too worked up about this right. type of game, but again – Great teams don't allow losing streaks to get extended. They don't allow these, you know, these these uh, stretches of really poor play and poor effort. More more alarmingly, um, you just don't see that from a Giannis Antetokounmpo team. And I don't expect yeah. it to continue Monday night. I expect, you know, Knicks are if they're going to win, Knicks are going to have to play a really hard fought and execute well. Um, there was talk that Chris Middleton might return. Um, he's going to travel with the team, um, but it looks like he, he he's already been ruled out. So he'll miss at least Monday's game. Um, so Knicks get a benefit in, in that way. Um, they don't yeah. have, they're not going to take on the full, uh, you know, the, the fully healthy Milwaukee roster. Um, but again, 
I expect Milwaukee to get after it defensively, give the Knicks all they can fight. Knicks have struggled a little bit at home. They've kind of corrected those, um, you know, those, those, those hiccups from earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, I think uh, all things considered tonight's going to be a um, really good test of where the Knicks are right at this, uh, you know, basically the midpoint of the season. And it's funny you, you talk about the Bucs and their struggles and, and how you would expect them to, to be on their P's and Q's. And I do agree with that. I also feel like when we talk about the Knicks and their struggles at home, the Knicks have to understand that because of the Madison Square Garden effect, they're always going to get other teams' best shots. Like, even though the Knicks are not a team that, like, you would think are worthy of getting other teams' best shot um, because, you know, uh, the Knicks haven't necessarily won a lot. They're not necessarily a, a perennial winner at this point. But I, I think when we ask why the Knicks struggle so much at home, and some of it is their own issues, but people come in and they shoot really well at the Garden. They have big games at the Garden. They Guys play up for this game. Like, this, no matter what the Knicks' record is, going to play a game in Madison Square Garden is always going to be a big game. So the Bucs, I do agree. I, I would expect them to to have their their, their A game because this is a, a game in Madison Square Garden. Um, the lights are bright, and the Knicks are playing well, and they're struggling. So it, it has a recipe for the Bucs to come out there and really um, play a good game. What's interesting about this matchup, because I don't know why of all the games I've watched against like certain teams, I always seem to always be available to – even before I was doing this uh, podcast, I always watch these Bucks Nick games. And the Knicks usually played them really well. Like on the surface, you look at them and say that this looks like a terrible matchup. Because it's like you're like, who actually guards Giannis? Um, the Bucks have so many three-point shooters. Like on paper, it looked like the Knicks wouldn't match up well with them. But over the last two or three years, like they usually played them really well. Like they usually are in the game, they've beat them a couple of times in Milwaukee. So I think this will probably be a competitive game because the Knicks are playing uh, really good basketball. But when you talk about Giannis, what is the recipe to stopping him for the Knicks uh, on Monday? I mean, I assume it's going to – I mean, I think Mitch is going to probably start on him. But I, I expect Mitch will maybe play like 10 minutes tonight because he, he's fouled out. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like I love Mitch, um, and he's had a little bit of trouble with the fouls recently. He's gotten a lot better at it over the course of his career. But I, I just feel like Giannis is going to get him out of there real quick, and then they're going to have to go to plan B. Yeah, I mean, even if you have an all-NBA defender at, at the four or the five, guarding Giannis is always a team effort, you know, and it's uh, it's 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 been that way for years and years, and the recipe really hasn't changed. Um, you build a wall in the paint, and you dare him to shoot three-pointers. Um, he can knock some down on occasion, but you can definitely live with that. If he's knocking yeah. down threes, you tip your hat and, and go on your way. Um, you want to dare him to shoot long twos and threes because once he gets ahead of steam, um, and you know, even if sometimes you give him too much room, he'll drive past you, get past that first defender. He's doing a better job of of, of finding uh, fellow shot makers uh, on the wing, and they've and the, and the Bucks have done a good job of surrounding him with 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 uh, three point shooters. Um, they also got Joe Angles back. They're kind of working him back into the rotation. Obviously, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, um, Brooke Lopez is a you know very good uh, three point shooter for a big man. Um, so yeah, but but in terms of Giannis, um, well. Randall, yep, Randall will take a crack at him. Mitch is going to take a crack at him. You'll, you'll see some Jericho Sims. Um, you know that that's a matchup that that kind of you know if if, if there's a player um, that that Tibbs probably feels comfortable throwing at. Um, 
Giannis. It, it's you, you'd figure it Sims. Good. Uh, um, uh, he's a, he's a versatile defender. Can guard you know quicker guys out on the perimeter. Um, so hopefully you think he can stay in front of Giannis. Has the strength and the and the muscle to to kind of at least uh, challenge Giannis at the rim if and when he gets around the basket. Um, so I think you'll see a combination of different defenders. Um, you know, just kind of thrown at Giannis. We might even see some Grimes on him. Um, Grimes did a really good job on Pascal Siakam Friday night. One of the keys to victory. Um, after 51 points um, that uh, Siakam hung on the Knicks at the Garden, and Knicks hold him to 4-14 shooting. A lot of that was was Grimes. Um, but yeah, Giannis is a different animal, different beast. Again, um, you know, we may see them take the you know take the strategy um, where it's let Giannis get his points and and kind of reduce everyone else's. We've seen that strategy kind of pick up steam, and, and Tibbs has employed that at different points of the season. So um, we'll see if that kind of uh, becomes an issue going forward. Yeah, and these teams played against each other at the Garden. A very another very good game, very good match between these two teams at the end of November. The Bucks won that one, 109-103. and essentially that was the strategy. Giannis had thirty-seven points. Um, I, met, I joked about Mitch Robinson, but that he had maybe his best game of the season that night. He had fifteen points and twenty rebounds in that game, and and, and did not have foul trouble. So let's hope he can you know, repeat that. Uh, but that was the strategy. Essentially, was to kind of let Lana Giannis get his. And kind of keep everybody else in check. And, you know, Drew Holiday was the only guy that had uh, over 20 points. Everyone else was in the low single digits or even uh, I mean, low double digits or even single digits. Um, the shooting, though, that the Knicks being able to guard the three, that will that will also be a big, big thing in the scouting report for this team. Because the Knicks, uh, when they've defended the three well, typically they win. Um, when when they don't, that's when you see them have problems and uh, a guy like Grayson Allen, who's killed the Knicks uh, when they play against them, he had a huge three in that game that uh, yes. essentially put the Bucks ahead and put them ahead for good. Uh, he's gonna be, he's had a good year. Uh, just, he's he's gonna be someone they're gonna have to keep an eye on. Yes, and 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 also just you know to, to on the defensive standpoint, it's kind of simple. Obviously, if you, you don't allow the other team to score a lot of points, you have a better chance of winning. <laughs> right. The, the Knicks this season, they are undefeated when they allow fewer than 110, 109. They they lost one game when they gave up one hundred nine. But if they yeah, give that was up, to the Bucks. <laughs> yep, that was really to the Bucks. Yeah. If, if, exactly. If they give up one hundred eight or less, they are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, fourteen and zero now this season. Wow. So. Um, Again, a lot of the a lot of the when the Knicks play well defensively, they give themselves a very good chance to win because again they've been solid offensively all season, thanks in large part to Brunson. Um, but speaking of Brunson, just did want to pick yeah. um, J- Javon Javon Carter is one, a difficult matchup for Brunson. He's yes. one of those guys that that he presses him ninety four feet. Um, you know, really makes it difficult for opposing point guards to kind of get in their flow. Um, Brunson was just eight of tw- eight for twenty two from the floor, one of his least efficient games of the season, um, and for his career for a guy that's usually around the fifty percent mark um so yeah carter as he as as he does a lot of point guards is a real pain in the in the butt for brunson um so uh jb will have to have a um hopefully bounce back with an efficient uh contest on, on tonight yeah. and i think that means the guy we talked about in the last episode ex- extensively emmanuel quickly gonna be huge tonight too because that what the, the benefit of them having carter is that actually allows them to save holiday uh put him on either bigger guards or put him on your secondary guard where you feel like, you know, teams that use teams that have multiple ball handlers in the Knicks, um, you don't get a rest because uh Jerron Carter's hounding your point guard. Then how he's on a guy who maybe is a valuable player, and that's that's gonna be IQ. So uh and Quentin Grimes as well uh, is gonna have Holiday chasing him around. So uh it is an interesting matchup. Uh you know, uh, later in the week I do want to focus on like um 
on potential playoff matchups. And this is a team that the Knicks would potentially be playing in the playoffs with. There are a lot of, there are some things that on, again, on paper don't necessarily break well for the Knicks, but they, they tend to play fine and they seem to kind of compete with this team. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Knicks respond considering how well they played. Uh, what do you think about Toppin's return potentially? Like, like it sounds like it definitely could happen. I think that they could definitely use him. Does it mean we talked about it before, but uh, whether or not Tibbs goes, you know, 10 men or if someone leaves the rotation will be uh, something to point out. This is a big team. The Knicks are playing. So I think if they do play top, I think there's a good chance that, that he goes to 10, even uh, if it's just this game. Agreed. Agreed. And, um, you know, obviously you don't want to, you don't want to throw him back in the lineup and Hey, go guard that Giannis guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But Toppin could play some stretch five and, you know, he obviously or Brooke Lopez, who, you know, and, and if Sims, if he shares the floor with Sims, Sims could get Giannis and, um, and, and, and top and I mean, Brooke Lopez yeah. is a, you know, guy that's yeah. going to stretch out on the perimeter. Um, yeah, so, so is Portis top, top can guard him. So. It, totally, totally very similar player. Um, Bobby Portis to, to top. And so, um, but yeah, I think, um, if he's ready and it sounds like he's certainly trending in that direction, um, you get him out there let him get, you know, let him, let him get his feet wet. Uh, you know, just try to work off some of that rust. Eventually he's going to have to start knocking it off. Um, but yeah, if he does, even if he does play only 12 minutes, 14 minutes, 10 minutes, um, It'll be interesting to see if that comes out at the expense of one of the nine guys that have been part of the rotation, whether that's Sims or, or Hartenstein, who's been struggling. Um, it'll be very interesting to see. But um, again, as well as Randall's played, and, and we'll talk a little bit about um, his his really incredible run over the last month and really over the first few months of the season. Um, it should be uh, uh, it should the Knicks should prioritize getting him limiting his minutes a little bit um, because he's really had to carry an, uh, an outsized load on his shoulders for, you know, the last, last month or so, especially with Barrett out Brunson missing a few games. He's really put the team on his back um, and done a great job, but you know, if Obi can get in there um, and, 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 you know, cut his minutes down from 38 to 34 um, even something along those lines could, could help the Knicks big picture long-term. And I know sometimes Tibbs gets knocked for not thinking about the, you know, the, the two months from now, the yeah. big picture. Um, if, if Obi's available, um, I think it would make a lot of sense for him to get some burn. And I don't know if you watched the, uh, I know you watched the game, but I don't know if you saw the, the, the interview Randall did after the game on MSG. Um, it was a very good question. I, I don't know if it was Wally or, or, um, or uh, whoever was doing the playoff play. It was not Brain. But, um, but someone asked about the fact Steve that Elvin. the have been, yeah. Um, and, and and how the Knicks have been executing in the half court. And Randall actually spoke about how the Knicks have kind of transitioned from being a fast break team to a half court team this season, which is kind of happened under like kind of under like like we didn't really kind of talk about it. Nobody's really kind of mentioned it, but it is true. Uh, the Knicks were running a lot to start the season and I loved it. I think it was necessary. And now you've seen them transition more into a half court team and they're executing pretty well in the half court. Um, Toppin coming back into the fray, do we see more of that running, uh, that, because, you know, maybe him being out, you know, kind of takes away a lot of your running game or, 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 or if they remain more of a half court team, how does he fit in there? I thought that that was a very interesting comment by Randall. Good point, EJ. And I actually looked at it on over the weekend. The Knicks are dead last in pace over the last month. Um, That's they, fascinating. 
they ranked and, and nobody's talked about it because they won a lot of games. A hundred percent. If they weren't, and you know, like the, I'll, I'll mock myself here. We'd get on Tibbs. Oh, they need to push the pace. Um, but again, winning is the is the antidote. Is the is the best fragrance. Um, it, you know. Um, uh, but yes, I, I, I was I was surprised at at that number as well. You know, I figured it'd be in the bottom, you know, the, the bottom third of the league or so. But for them to rank thirtieth out of thirty, um, in, in pace over the last uh, five weeks or so, basically dating back to the start of the eight game winning streak. Um, so yes, I, I found that interesting as well. But yeah, to, to Randall's point, I think a lot of it um, pushing the pace was when you're trying to incorporate new pieces and you have Brunson yeah. in the mix, um, and you thought, oh, we'd get a lot more minutes. Now with topping out and you go, you go to a nine man rotation. You want to slow the game down a little bit. Um, Sims is obviously not a, a, a guy that's going to push the push the ball on the break. And Hardenstein um, can pass as well, and you know can get out in transition um, in the right circumstances. Um, but it, you know, RJ missing as well. He's another guy that would grab a rebound and push yeah. it. Um, with him out, you kind of want to, you know, the, the Knicks tend to slow the, slow the game down a little bit. Um, and proving defensively allows you to do that as well. So, you, and then when you have success, you you, you lean into it. Um, and, and to Tibbs' credit, um, he's he's kind of found that that balance. But again, that doesn't mean you give up easy baskets if they present themselves. And now when exactly. you introduce a guy like Toppin back in the mix, um, and he's you know as the as the once RJ returns, then you have IQ and McBride and Toppin on the floor together. Then you have a more uh, you know an up tempo second unit that can kind of you know give a little thunder and lightning type thing where Randall will bully you for for the first quarter, and then we'll try to run past you in the second quarter. So I think we'll see more of that going forward. I think of a lot of that to do obviously without Toppin um, and and some and and. And RJ missing extended periods of time that kind of changed the, uh, the the game plan. But that shouldn't be that. That doesn't mean that you can't go back to getting finding easy transition buckets um, yeah. in the games going forward once Obi returns. And and the one thing I will say before we move on about pace is I I, I want to give Tibbs a lot a lot of credit here, which is a little rare for me. But getting guys to push the tempo. Even if you know you're not going to play that way for an entire season, it allows you to be even more active also in your half court offense. So what happens sometimes when you're a slow down, uh, a slow down half court team, you kind of get bogged down in people standing around. Um, sometimes as a coach or when you're coaching any team, it could be even, you know, uh, you know, uh, PB league or AAU league, like getting your team to push high school, get your team to push the ball makes people run. It makes people move. So that even when you get back into playing more of your half-court style, yes. guys are, one, they're in shape so yep. to run your half-court offense with efficiency, and two, they're, they're, they're already conditioned to be moving and be running. So I think that's why you've seen the Knicks execute way better than half-court this year despite being last of pace over this last month than you have in previous seasons because they're now conditioned to run. They're conditioned to be more active offensively. When you see these isolation, of, of isolation um, situations, you're seeing more cutting. You're seeing more movement. You're seeing uh, you're getting better spacing partly because you know you got Brunson out there and he's such a great guy to create shots for people too. But I think that 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 actually there was a method to madness to that. I don't know if they ever was going Knicks were ever going to be what they were out there. They were one of the like they were kind of like top third of the league in pace. I don't know if they're ever going to play that way, but I think you're seeing them play better now because of how they started the year. Totally. And the other thing is it makes you more difficult to prepare for. If you're just yeah. a half court team that, that, that the other team, you know, that, that, that the opposing coaching staff and, and the scouts don't have to worry about, okay, we don't have to worry about them getting out of transition. Just let's focus on these seven set plays that they've run. You know, you can dedicate time and practice and preparation. Um, it's kind of like when a, um, 
uh, an offensive coordinator of an NFL team will run jet sweeps or, you know, if you have like a Tebow type play or a Taysom Hill where you can, you know, use different options, it just makes it a little more difficult to prepare for the other stuff that you're going to run. If you have to, in the back of their mind, have the opponent worried about these other gadget plays that you might run here and there. And for the Knicks, just getting out in transition just puts that seed in my, you know, just, it it does impact a little bit. um, Just the the preparation, self-scouting things along those lines. Yep, Knicks Bucks, 7.30, Monday night at the Garden. But uh, let's shift gears. And like I mentioned uh, to start the show, this week will mark the halfway point in the season for the Knicks. So throughout uh, the week, we will take a deep dive at where the Knicks are in the standings and what that would mean for a potential postseason matchup. So right now, New York is currently in the seventh seed, which means if they, if all things held serve as they are currently, the Knicks would host at least one playing game uh, they are currently right now ahead of the Heat, who are eighth, meaning they would play the Heat right as of right now. Um, the Bucks are ninth, and the Hawks are tenth. Of those teams, Tommy, which do you think the Knicks would match up best with in a playing game? Uh, of the Heat, Bulls, Hawks, you're saying those three? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get I, you want to avoid the Heat, probably. Obviously, you know, I think that's the would be the uh, the easy assumption, just in terms of. Um, one of the best coaches in the NBA, veteran team. Um, they're not going to get, uh, you know, they're not going to be uh, overwhelmed by a by a playing game, playing at the guard or anything along, along those lines. I mean, these guys are championship caliber players. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's the team I least want to face. Um, for pure entertainment value and maybe for, for podcast discussion, um, <laughs> a, a couple games against the Hawks and, and Trey Young, Mr. Uh, uh, was King of the Broadway? Was that what was? Yeah, that King what, of Broadway was. Uh, what are they? Five and 15, five and five and eleven since he since he wear. <laughs> um, that would obviously be very entertaining. Um, but uh, I think the Bulls would be the team I I want to play. You know, again, the Bulls can play well. We've seen them. They they beat the Knicks recently. Their their last matchup. Knicks after after the Knicks beat them back to back games in Chicago. Um. But just in terms of, you know, I, I think there's a similar style. Um, again, that's it's not not to take anything away from Chicago because they can they can go on a run. I mean, they they have you know, obviously DeRozan and, and Vucevic and, and Levine. Um, we talked about him as you know maybe some questionable shot selection uh, in, in a in a previous pod, and then he goes nine for eleven from three, um, and uh, you know just looks amazing um, yeah. in, in one of their recent wins. And they, you know they're they're obviously um, headed in the right direction, seven and three in their last ten games. Um, so you know you you can definitely make a case um, for for all three, but I guess the Bulls, if I had to choose one, that that I think that that the Knicks would um, you know give the Knicks the best opportunity to advance, I'd probably say Chicago. Yeah, it's an interesting grouping because I don't I'm not running to face any of these teams right, exactly. on the Knicks. I've got I like that's why I, when I when we were coming up with the show, I looked at it, I was like this actually is an interesting kind of topic because uh, these are all teams that every almost everybody had the Knicks falling behind on in the standing this year. I, ironically enough, the Pacers are probably the, the team that in the sixth seed is the team you'd want to play at, at, at right. those, those three. Yes, yes. And if the Pacers slip up a little bit, though, they, they're one – they may be the hottest team in the league right now. I mean, they oh, made up. And, shocking. Uh, they, they've really come together. Um, they, they're just they, – they're playing great ball. So uh, so we'll see if they, they keep on in that spot. But when I saw this grouping of the 7-10, first of all, I know who won, know who will be having the league office. I mean, yes. the, league, they, the league office got these four teams, the New York, Miami, Chicago, Atlanta market in the play-in. I mean, you know, they're printing money. Like, you know, I, you know I mean, Adam Silver is uh, throwing a parade. Like, he, he's he's thrilled. 
if this is uh what they can come up with. I think I agree with you. I, I was surprised. I saw a little surprised. I thought you might take the Hawks, but I agree. I think if there was a team I would want to play the most, it's the Bulls because we just talked about pace and the Heat also play a pace probably Knicks would be comfortable with. But I think the Heat, their 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 resilience, their playoff guile, like I wouldn't want to deal with that in a one game situation. Like, you know, like, and then the Knicks would have two because they would be uh, the seventh seed right now. Right. But, you know, you don't want to get to the second game. You want to try to win the first game. Yes. So, so if, if you're in a situation where you get that first game, you're trying to get in. And also, those top three teams in the East are so tough. Maybe it doesn't yes. matter. But you, you want to not play the one seed, too. So there's yep. that as well. Yep. So, but if you're talking about those those teams, um, I don't want any part of the Heat. No. And the, the Hawks, they look awful. But it's still Trey Young. He still seems to love these matchups against the Knicks. Again, a one-game situation, I really don't want to deal with that at all either. Right. So you look at the Bulls, and I say, this is a team that's going to play in the half court. They're not going to run away from you. They're not going to bury you at the three-point line. They're kind of – they're going to – it's going to be a game. It's going to yes. be a close game. They're not going to yes. run away from you. Uh, they have talent. We though They have guys. You know, Levine's starting to really play well of late. Um, we know what the Rose can do. He hit the game winner against the Knicks uh, a couple weeks ago. But the Knicks, I mean, I think the Knicks have played them great this year. Like to me, they should have swept them in those three games they played. Yep. Like they they dominated them in Chicago and the, the game in New York, they have very well could have won. So after the Knicks, I'm running to that Bulls matchup. I don't love any of these matchups because I think these are teams that have they all have stars and they all have like high level talents. But the Bulls will be the team I'll be most comfortable with. Also, the Bulls, um, they don't have uh, the kind of rim protection that the Heat and Hawks do either. So, you know, guys like RJ and Brunson and Randall, these guys will be able to get into the paint. It, you know, that would be – I think it would be a great game if, if you're talking about one game, a 7-8 seed at the Garden. It's Knicks and Bulls. Again, I, the NBA can't go wrong with any of these matchups. But yep. uh, but but if they really Knicks, you'd feel good about that one. So you so you think, so you're saying the Heat, though, will be the team you at least want to play. I don't want to. I don't want Jimmy Butler. And I don't want right. to play that dude in, in a one game. You know, like and and, and Tyler Hero's playing at a really high level. Kyle Lowry's a bulldog. You know, he's he's not going to back down from from Brunson or fellow Nova kid. Like anybody. I yeah. mean, those again, spoke coach team. Um, they'll be prepared. They're, you know, the, the, the spotlight's not too big for them. They're not going to worry about. You know, they're not going to feel too much pressure. But at the same time, be motivated and checked in. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want any part of Miami. Um, you know, but the, again, I, I wouldn't run to play at any of those guys. Yeah, I get the, with Miami. I get the impression that I was talking. I've had a conversation with my brother last night. Like, I have the impression with Miami that they just aren't really interested in the regular season, right? You know, like, like, like when I first of all, I I don't have the numbers backed up, but it feels like they've had the hardest schedule in the NBA. Like every night, it seems like they're playing against a good team. <laughs> And most of these nights, they're not, like, getting blown out. They're not, like, embarrassing themselves. They've, they've lost a lot of these games. They're only 21 and 20. They're one game above 500. But, like, like it seems like just every night I turn on the TV and I say, oh, what's going on in the league? And the Heat are playing someone tough. And, you know, they're losing a lot of these games, which is why they're, they're not necessarily higher in the standings. But I, I think they kind of understand that the regular season doesn't quite mean as much. And – their older team in some spots, you know, high hero, Bam aren't old, but, you know, Jimmy Butler, Lowry, they got other older players. I think they're kind of just saying, let's just kind of get through the season and work on our stuff and get ready for the playoffs. Now, does that work? Most of the time it doesn't. So I'm not necessarily saying that means that they're going to go on a run and, and do something. I think that they should be playing a lot better in the regular season. But I don't, I don't necessarily look at their record, look at them and say, oh, well, they're not actually that good. I think that the Heat would be 
uh, a nightmare to play in, in, a, in a playing situation. I think that's one of the interesting parts of the seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, in years past, I'm sure the Heat would be like, listen, we don't care if we play the one seed or the three seed, or you know, are the Celtics that much better than the Nets, or the you know, are the Bucks that much better than you know? So that you know, so I think that. But ideally, if you're Miami, and I'm sure Riley says, you know, we don't care if we're four, five, or six. But let's be six, not seven, eight, or right. you know, that's that's when you I, I you want to get into a series and anything, as you know, Jimmy Butler tweaks an ankle in the first quarter or something, you know, like you don't want to you don't want to be in that that one game situation if you can avoid it. If you especially if you have championship aspirations, which the Heat do. Yeah, and it's funny of all these teams, the the Heat, and maybe it's, this is part of the reason why we're maybe also saying this as well. Uh, you know, Knicks have not played the Heat this year, right. so so we've seen the Knicks against the Bulls and Hawks. And they looked pretty good against both of those teams. I mean, they had, the Knicks had that really weird game where they were like up by twenty and then lost by twenty to start the year with the, against the Hawks. Uh, but then they they blew them out the last game they they played them. And we've seen the Bulls too much in the last month or so. So so the Heat also kind of presented a little bit of a mystery because you know this version of the Heat, we really don't know how the Knicks match up with them with Brunson and how things are different. So uh, that I, I'm looking forward to seeing when the Knicks do play the Heat. You know, it's always it's always it's always going to be juice for me when the Knicks play the Heat, just because of what those franchises mean to each other. Uh, but yeah, if, if this is a, if, if this ends up being the playing situation, I mean, for the Knicks' sake, I hope they're not in the situation. Like, I hope that they're in the the playoffs. You know, you're talking about a matchup, a three six or you know a four five matchup. But right. uh, if this is the situation where they're, they're in, um, a lot of good matches for the league, a lot of interesting matches. It, and it's funny. Last thing I'll say on this before we move on, like. Of those teams, you know, point differential, I think, is something that I look at. And the Knicks are the only team with a plus point differential out of all of those teams. They're all minus. So the Knicks have, you know, objectively, they I mean, they have a better record. But even if you look at point differential, they've considerably played much better than <laughs> those other three teams. Again, three teams that a lot of folks would have said would, would, would have finished higher in the standing. So um, you know, it would be interesting. I think later in the week I want to talk about uh, – what would happen if the Knicks, whether they get past these teams or whether they are the sixth seed, which of those top three or four seeds should they want to play? I think that'll be a fun conversation to have uh, later in the week when we take another look at the standings. But let's uh, let's uh, wrap the show, giving out our first midseason report card. So since we are at the midway point of the season, now is also uh, a time to us give our grades, evaluating the performance for certain uh, team departments. So today uh, we'll focus on the front office. So after uh, trading out of the first round in this past year's draft, Leon Rose made one of the biggest splashes he's had since becoming Knicks president. He signed Jalen Brunson, the Knicks' new star point guard. Brunson's had a tremendous season. He also added Isaiah Hartenstein in the offseason. They unloaded uh, several key veterans who had uh, big roles on this team over the past few years since he's been in charge. Kemba Walker gone, Alec Burks gone, Nerlens Noel gone, Todd Gibson gone. Some of these guys I mentioned were fixtures in kind of the Thibodeau Rose era. So um, a little bit of a different team you have here. Uh, but the summer really was kind of marred by this pursuit that really was never meant to be. You had the Knicks aggressively trying to get Donovan Mitchell. They ultimately did not pull the trigger on a trade with Utah. He got sent to Cleveland. And Knicks instead end up giving R.J. Barrett a four-year contract extension that's worth up to $120 million. So that essentially encapsulates uh, Leon Rose's performance coming into this season. He elected to keep Tom Thibodeau as well. I think that factors in um, probably to this situation as well. Uh, Tommy, how do you grade Leon's performance thus far this year? 
Yeah, so let's get the Mitchell stuff out of the way first. Um, you can't help but think, despite the good vibes and the and the, and the you know Knicks positive record, and we'll we'll get into all that stuff. Um, if the Knicks had pulled the trigger on an RJ and multiple draft picks, and you know maybe Obi in the in the mix and Cam Reddish, or you know, and, and obviously Evan Fournier to make the salaries work, if they had pulled the trigger on that deal. And you get, uh, you know, if you if you include uh, Donovan Mitchell into this team, that's you know a few games under 500. Brunson playing at the level he's been playing at, Randall playing at the level he's been playing at. Um, then you have a really exciting, scary team. Yeah. You know, you're the Cavs. You're the, <laughs> you know, you're the Cavs. In yeah. in that, and you know, so that's something to be considered. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. We, we are, you know, we're not going to spend too much time because that there's so many what ifs there. Um, how would the Knicks backcourt handle it defensively? Would Randall have played as well um, being relegated to the third banana as opposed to just, you know, kind of one a, you know, or one B to, to Brunson. Um, you know, how, how would have that, how, how would have that gone down? Um, we wouldn't maybe see Grimes's evolution as much as we've seen. Um, IQ's played really well of late um, that we wouldn't have seen had, had Mitchell been there. Um, but uh, you know, just the way that Donovan's playing, like he's, you know, having the best season of his career, shooting at a high percentage locked in defensively um, you know, which, which I think most of us expected he would, um, you know, kind of, you know, get, get reengaged after taking essentially a year off on the defensive end. Um, yeah. So there, there are obviously um, we'll see how that plays out going forward. Um, but taking a step back again, Knicks uh, eighth in the league in, in, in point differential this season, um, you know, right on the cusp of that six seed, um, just a half game behind the Pacers. Um, and a lot of that has to do with obviously Brunson playing at a, at a ridiculously high level um, best point guard the Knicks have had in, in 20 years. So we definitely give him credit for that. Um, and but it's weird, you know, they got rid of Burks and Noel and Kemba and, and Todd Gibson, and and you want to give them credit for that. But they also are, you know, 11 months removed, or, you know, a year removed from giving those guys extended contracts. Then they had to draft attach draft capital to get rid of those guys. Um, so it kind of weighs against itself. But um, again, let, let's if we're going to focus on the positive, Knicks have exceeded expectations this season. Um, still a long way to go. Um, I think, you know, again, ultimately, Rose will be judged by whether or not he brings in a superstar, um, because, again, the Knicks aren't title contenders now. Um, fortunately, they're not in that 10th, 11th spot. Um, and, and again, the Knicks aren't just it's not just that they're seventh and, and, and playing pretty well. They're five games ahead of the Wizards. Um, you know, right. the, the, the Wizards are and, and the Wizards and Raptors who are tied for the 11th seed. Um can the can can a losing streak change that drastically and quickly? Yeah. Yes, we've seen that play itself out. Um, but assuming the Knicks stay in that six, seven, eight, you know, seeding area, um, definitely have to consider this season a success. Um, and again, when Rose decided not to make not to make the Mitchell trade, his plan was not to revamp and and and, and go all in on a youth rebuild, or you know, his it, it was to kind of keep that same path keep staying on the same road and eventually add a superstar when the next one becomes available, kind of use those same draft assets. And part of that was continuing the franchise moving in a, in a, in a positive direction in an upward trajectory. And the Knicks have done that. So um, I think you definitely a passing grade B minus B C plus B plus somewhere in that range. Um, and I think it'll probably play itself out over the next couple months. Yeah. I mean, and then one for one, we start with the 
a move that I feel like at the time was very controversial was the decision to trade out of the first round. Um, right. The Knicks had a lottery pick, and they essentially kicked it down the can uh, to, you know, add, uh, you know, salary and to um, and to off- offload some of these guys who, 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 you know, they could they see part of the future. And there were a lot of fans upset with that. There were a lot of fans that said, uh, why don't you draft A.J. Griffin? Why don't you draft Jalen Duran, who technically they, they did draft or uh, they traded? Like, I, I think Jalen Duran's had a good year. I don't know if I've seen anything from these rookies that makes me feel like the Knicks clearly missed the mark in make, trading out of that first round. Trading out of that first round allowed them to free up money that allowed them to sign the combination of Hardenstein and Brunson. So uh, Hardenstein hasn't been that great, but I, I don't necessarily look at right now and say, oh, the Knicks made some blunder by not uh, drafting one of those guys right now. So uh, a move that was, I think, not very popular at the moment. I think right now you have to say, at least you can't knock him yet. Now, right. one of these guys could pop and you say, what the hell happened? We right. didn't need Hardenstein that bad. But as of right now, I, I don't see anything that says, oh, well, Knicks really screwed that up. So uh, you get a pass there. Uh, the Brunson signing, again, at the time, controversial. A lot of people said that that's a lot of money. Is, is this guy really a star? Like, what's gonna ha- going on? Brunson is now a bargain. Uh, to get the kind of production you're getting from the point guard position, a position of extreme premium, and he's playing at this level, That's a that he has one of the best contracts in the league right now. He's going to be so, the seventh, the seventeenth highest paid point guard in the NBA next season. Yeah, and they gave him that descending deal, so the yes, money yes. slightly decreases from year to year. So the, uh, the, the, the only thing on that contract, there is a player option the final season that's going to come right. back to bite the Knicks because he's going to opt out and, and get it and get a huge uh, raise. Yes, so that 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 does come into play, but I mean, as of right now, you look at that and say, oh boy, the Knicks really uh, they really lucked out. I mean, they have their franchise point guard. And who would have thought that it would have been uh, Jalen Brunson, the guy who a couple years ago wasn't even a starter. But this is this, – and it was on another team, obviously. So, But this is where we're at. So um, you got to give him a major high marks for that. Uh, the Harden sign thing has not worked out in my opinion. I don't know how much of it is – well, I will say it's Leon's fault because Leon employs a coach who it, it doesn't have the offense creativity to actually make it work. So – you sign like and my thing is looks if you're gonna sign a guy, sign a guy that Tibbs can use and use correctly. Um, if that's the guy that you believe in, he clearly, clearly believes in Tom Thibodeau. Uh, that has not worked out very well. So that I think is a, a, a knock against him. Donovan Mitchell situation kind of brings up maybe my biggest issue. And a lot of these marks so far, I think, are high for what I've been saying, but the Donovan Mitchell trade and not necessarily the actual not making the trade, but just kind of the fallout from not making the trade. That's why I think the great great really comes down for Leon for me. The Knicks had so many roster, uh, you know, they, they uh, roster confusion. They had roster clutter that, you know, coming into this offseason, everybody saw that you had to address this. Like you, you, There were too many players that played the same position, too many guys that weren't going to get minutes, too many guys that maybe were over the hill and maybe need to find a role elsewhere. But they got so encapsulated by the Donovan Mitchell trade situation that to their credit but then eventually to their fault they didn't want to start offloading guys who may they may need like they may have needed at derrick rose they may have needed cam reddish like some of these guys may have been in the rotation if, if you know rj iq and obi top are on here then somebody's got to play so a lot of these guys Evan Fournier would have probably been a deal but you no know, some of these guys would have had to be on the team so none of those guys got moved so they all were on ice and then when the deal didn't happen 
it's too late in the offseason for teams. Teams, you know, they've already maxed out their salary cap. Uh, teams already have a figure out what they want to do with their roster. Now you can't make these deals. So they came in with all of these guys competing for rotation spots. We knew some of these guys couldn't make the rotation. We knew some of these guys shouldn't make the rotation, but they were going to have to be given a shot. Like their Rose has to be given a shot. Cam Reddish has to be given a shot. Evan Forney has to be given a shot. They're making too much money. They have too much of a, of a plat, too much of a, of a pedigree in this league to say, you know what, you're coming in, but you're immediately on rotation. And now it, it, it created uh, essentially a mess. And I think the reason why Knicks started off so slowly was because they haven't had to figure out what to do with all these guys that, you know, for half of them shouldn't have been on the roster. Now they're trying to get rid of them, but their, their values decreased. Um, they can't give these guys a hit at this point. So that becomes the biggest conundrum the Knicks have right now. It's how do they uh, kind of declutter the roster that they've cluttered with players that they thought were going to be gone. One other thing on the on the Mitchell trade, like Ainge got some credit, got a lot of credit when he first made the trade, and then the Jazz came out like gangbusters, and Ainge is a genius. The Jazz right now are three games below 500. They, they're they're behind the Lakers. They're twelfth. They're twelfth in the West, and they are the ultimate worst case scenario for for where you want to be. They're not they're not competitive. They're not going to make the play in or the playoffs, and they're not going to have a legitimate shot in the Wembyana sweepstakes. Um, so that's that's really the the you know the while it was exciting you know initially um, you know for, for Jazz fans now you're just like looking at things you know they're they're well behind the Rockets the Spurs the Pistons, the Hornets, the Magic, they're not going to catch, you know, catch those in, in terms of losing enough games to get to jump those guys in the standings. Listen, is it possible that they finish with the seventh worst record and jump all the way up to one or two? Um, potentially, it, it certainly could be the case Then that Ainge is fine. But um, again, with guys like Sexton on a big contract, he's going to have to give a lot of money to Lowry Markkinen. Um, when, when they made that trade, I just, I didn't see the vision, you know, um, it, it, you know, it, it, you assumed that they would at bottom out and just kind of commit to a rebuild and give themselves the best chance at, at when Bayana screw Henderson. Um, and now they look a far ways from that. And I don't see really, they'll have, they obviously have plenty of path uh, picks going forward. Um, the, the, the Rudy Gobert trade was a brilliant, maybe the, the, the worst trade from a, from a Minnesota <laughs> yeah. recent NBA yeah. history. Um, could you get one first rounder for him right now? I guess, you know, <laughs> um, especially considering his contract, but um, that's, that's neither here nor there, but yeah. Um, so uh, again, I think we all assume, at the time and we're gonna to have to see how this thing plays out um the weird thing about the front office again is that um it's hard to judge them because they haven't they've done a lot of good things they put themselves in good position they they haven't signed any albatross contracts they haven't traded away first round picks two things that had crippled nick's front offices in the yep. past um but they haven't done the they haven't kind of he hasn't fulfilled the the promise i'm sure that dolan um you know requested that he make is is in probably that he promised was i'm going to bring a superstar here um right now he's in a good spot because the knicks are four games under 500 should they go 11 and 17 over the next you know or you know 12 and 18 over the next 30 games then they're a couple games under 500 this thing starts to look different and they're ninth in the standings and lose the play play in game um then then what's kind of the direction of the franchise so um as with a lot of teams in the nba uh, a lot of it's going to be determined um over the next few months their position in the play-in slash playoff, and then what are they doing free agency? Um, and and they could have a bunch of draft picks in the in the twenty twenty three draft. So it will be uh, very interesting, plenty to talk about, which is good if you have a, a New York Knicks podcast. <laughs> exactly, man. We're the right guys for that for that situation, right? So 
I, I'm giving Leon Rose a grade officially. I'm going to give him a B minus. Uh, I think that the, the Brunson move is like an A plus, 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 plus. That really, you know, inflates the grade maybe. Um, you know, trading out of the first round and getting the other picks so far so good. Can't complain about that right now. Uh, the fact that he, I don't got to watch Al Burks play point guard or uh, no one as well drop the ball. <laughs> Love seeing that. So <laughs> that's been great. Uh, but the, the the lack of uh, of creativity to figure out what was going to happen if we didn't get Mitchell, I think is uh, really kind of, it, it kind of hurt the team, kind of really maximizing what they could be. Uh, we don't know what pieces could have been in here to replace those guys. Um, we don't know what the future will look like um, in terms of their salary cap situation, in terms of cap flexibility, things like that. Like, we, we just don't know those answers. Those answers we should have had coming into this year, we don't have those. So that brings and, the grade really down for me. And we're a month away from the deadline, and obviously a very important – you know, he's got to move Fournier. He's got to move Reddish, um, and uh, we'll see what he does with Rose. Uh, one other thing, a feather in his hat, um, really good value signing with Jericho Sims this past offseason locking in. Yes, yes, yes. You get an NBA – you get a rotation player, and Sims is an NBA rotation player. You know, eighth guy, ninth guy, whatever the case is. But you get a guy like that lock in for less than $2 million a year for three, three, four years. That's a, that's a really good deal. Yeah, it, it almost feels a little bit like the Mitchell Robinson deal that Steve yep. Mills signed. Yep. Um, where, yep. where, where, you know, Rich Robinson had, you know, all these years on his contract and his agent probably didn't do him great with that, but all these years on his contract and, uh, he's making almost you no know, NBA term dirt cheap money, yep. you know? So, yep. so yeah, it's definitely a big move there, but, uh, I think that's going to do it this episode of orange and blue bloods. Uh, Tommy lets people know where they can find you at Tommy beer on Twitter. Find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Of course, if you enjoy these episodes of Orange and Blue Bluff, we drop three times a week. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Wherever you do listen to your podcast, make sure you get the auto-download feature so you can get each of these podcasts whenever we drop. So that'll do it for now. Thank you guys for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Peace, guys. Peace.